Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with the episode as titled. I hope you're curious about this. I'm going to look into what the how Grail and Holy Grail in particular has come to have meaning in our hobby, and increasingly so in the last uh, years. It's part of the hobby vernacular. Thanks, sponsors: Top Spinini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. As I said, the quest or the pursuit of a Grail or a Holy Grail card has has uh, taken on uh, significant meaning. But where did it come from? And uh, I'm going to have uh, hopefully some fun with you all today and mixing some pop culture with some religious references with some sports card insights. I'm particularly interested in that, you know, the Holy Grail from the culture, from the pop culture, the movies, etc., is is singular. But apparently there, the hobby meaning has taken off on any uh, kind of an individualized, you could even have more than one Grail card and your Grail is not necessarily my Grail and vice versa. And that's the opposite of the way the the kind of legend or the uh, concept of the holy grail is 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 portrayed in literature and and movies and and it's really fiction and it's not biblical which is kind of interesting but but it, it does have a, a christian reference so in the movies the most recent movie da vinci code which was just this book by dan brown that was a bestseller and it's super complicated. It's Tom Hanks. You know, it was an interesting movie, but I don't know that it's fictional history or historical fiction, but it's emphasis on the fiction. But it's a great story. As I said, very, very complicated. And part, a big part of it is the search for the Holy Grail and all the other things that go with that. Of course, on the other end of the entertainment spectrum is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is now what would that be 45 years old so it's and then they made the 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 uh, musical spam a lot out of it a, a riff on uh, camelot and then of course there's harrison ford and sean connery who played his dad in indiana jones in the last crusade that again was about the pursuit trying to find the the, the holy grail and if you remember that movie spoiler alert the holy grail was not this extremely glitzy ornate cup or chalice it was the simplest one and of course indiana jones uh, figured that out and his uh, dad, Sean Connery, which was interesting. And they had the, the legend was that you drink from the, this true cup. It would give, it would you heal you and you'd have some sense of immortality. Of course, you learn in the movie again, spoiler alert, that you have to stay in the temple or, or the, that immortality does not. So again, very much legendary, not just, uh, it's just a story. And uh, again, it's, it's not in the Bible. So there's, there's nothing biblical about it other than. Other than uh, Christians uh, have uh, Holy Communion, which is uh, drinking from a cup back in, in the original conception, and that is considered a, a spiritual mystery. So a Holy Grail is a, is kind of an elusive object or a goal in the, in the, in the culture now that, that's sought after for significance and meaning, and, 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 and there's always a story behind it. But it's not necessarily for, for beauty or monetary value. And that's where the uh, where the, it's a little bit different in the cards. Although I have talked to people that had a Holy Grail card that was not super value valuable, but very elusive. I have a friend. I have lots of friends actually, but one of my friends had uh, Dorothy's uh, ruby red slippers from The Wizard of Oz. And I noticed this was a number of years ago. I noticed that that the, that it that the uh, the slippers sold. And I went to him and said, "Hey, congratulations! You got a good price." And I didn't. I didn't sell them. Turns out, for that Holy Grail, there are more. There's actually four pairs of the Wizard of Oz ruby red slippers. So, be careful that your Grail may not be a, a one of a kind. The religious reference here, just the whole the word holy means set apart. So, if it's 
a holy grail, it means a grail that's set apart in value, meaning, and importance. And again, it's 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 not biblical, other than the the quotation in the in the in the Gospels of after supper he took the cup, meaning Jesus took the cup, and it's from the Last Supper. But the, it didn't say he took the holy grail or or some diamond encrusted uh, chalice. But fast forward about a thousand years, and, and somewhere in the Crusades, there is this uh, myth or legend of the Holy Grail, and that's part of uh, the Crusades, which was, again, the, the Christians against the Muslims, again, politically incorrect, uh, perhaps, but again, and all the Christians in those days were Catholics, because the Catholics were, was, uh, was the only church. In fact, the word Catholic means universal. So for 1,500 years, that's that's the Christian church, and they had a lot of traditions that came with that. Of course, in 1500, Martin Luther comes along, who's a reformer, and looked at it and said, hey, there's other ways to do this. And, you know, if you haven't heard of Martin Luther, you've certainly heard of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, trick question, who was Martin Luther King Jr. named after? Well, he was named after his dad, who was not the junior. But somewhere along the line, Martin Luther from 1500 was uh, dramatically changed the face of uh, Christianity and brought in the, the Protestant Reformation. So they were the original protesters. Uh, against the establishment, which was the Catholic Church. And those protests, just as in today's protests, are not always completely peaceful. A uh, couple of criticisms that Protestants have of Catholics that have to do with the Holy Grail. One is that there's a perception among Protestants that Catholics add a lot of traditions to the wisdom in the Bible. And uh, that's kind of like the establishment just said, this is the way we've always done it. And and, you know, that's just the way it is. And the Protestants come along and say, well, I don't think you have to do it that way. And so in, in the hobby reference, uh, you know, the case breakers were Protestants in the sense that they came along and said, hey, there's more than one way to to sell cases and boxes of, of product. And they brought an innovation that now I think is, is widely accepted. And the second point is that the Catholic Church had a lot of veneration of icons and relics. Again, this is this is wonderful in the sense of, of uh, us collectors, they they would have appreciated the Holy Grail. And so the Catholics predate us collectors as early super collectors. They, they weren't the first collectors. I think the Egyptians had them beat by a few thousand years, but the Egyptians had that awkward problem of burying the best stuff with them. And that's clearly not recommended. Uh, I don't want to be buried with my cards. I want my cards to be, uh, get, you know, sold off and, and to benefit my heirs and, and uh, whatever charities or whatever way I want to do. So the Catholics put these icons and relics in places of honor, much like we do. So again, there's the tie into the, to a grail or holy grail. The holy grail, it's never going to be found because it's, it's not, it would not be authenticatable, I don't think. So, but if it were to be, it would be on display in the Vatican. Okay, back to sports card collecting insights. So this Grail Quest, actually, it could last a lifetime, and it may not even happen. And that's kind of the beauty of it all. And some Grails, again, it's in the eye of the beholder in one sense, but in another sense, some are better than others. And who determines it? Is it non-collectors? If you say, hey, this is my Grail card, are you trying to impress a non-collector or a casual collector or a serious collector? I think it's, again, just based on all the religious and pop culture, it's the, the, the grail is most appreciated by those who really understand it, the rarity, the quest. And that transcends whether or not a card would be BGS1 or BGS10. So a T206 Hannes Wagner card is a grail in any, condi- any condition, even if it's just authentic. Maybe it's been trimmed. It's still a holy grail, probably in any collection. Now, what about 52 Tops Mickey Mantle? I think that also can be a grail card, but perhaps that needs to be above a certain grade. Perhaps not. Another grail card that's gotten a lot of ink lately is the the Michael Jordan PMG green card. 
that's clearly a grail card and one of the main basketball grail cards. But the card they're referring to was slabbed. It was altered. It, it didn't even get a number grade. It was just, it, it, it just authentic. So do I think that modern day, these freshly minted, I'm not talking about from the nineties. I'm talking about this year's cards uh, or last year's cards. Are these freshly minted holy grails? Are they, is that sacrilegious in some sense? Does a holy grail card need to have stood the test of time or can it be an instant, uh, holy grail card? for Luca or for Zion. I think the culture is determined as the culture has gotten less religious, as I've seen in my lifetime. I don't think it matters. They're, they're not looking at a, at a, at a, at a, a 500 year old context. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're seeing the card and it's very, very desirable, great bragging rights. And so I don't think it matters to these younger generations of collectors. In fact, sometimes the newer, the better. And that's, I, I don't know how else to explain these fantastical six figure pick, six figure prices of recent cards of Mike Trout. And uh, I already mentioned Michael Jordan, but also LeBron James. When a card that's freshly printed in the last in 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 the last uh, ten or fifteen years, let's say seventeen years, is is reaching seven figures, that's 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 more than a car. It's 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 at the price where you could cho- choose to have a nice house or the card. And most people, again, it's a Grail card. If you'd rather have a card than a house, I think that would be the way to say it. So uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, when they were down here a couple years ago, and we uh, I convened uh, some of the guys for my dinner and we uh, interacted with them when they were putting together their uh, shoebox treasures exhibit they all along were they even then were talking about their their the baseball hall of fame holy grail cards that they wanted to be able to display permanently and they picked their they, they made a choice and uh, i just was going to well editorially one of my grail cards probably would be a shoeless joe jackson so one of his uh, contemporaneous cards but clearly that's not in the hall of fame's list because he's not in the hall of fame because of the um, you know, the the uh, cheating, the Black Sox of 1919. But the Grail cards that I think everybody would agree on, there's 10 at the Hall of Fame. And again, this is just baseball. We could do a whole other episode on basketball, which is frankly one of the sports where the term is used most often. But football, hockey, I mean, they've all got cards that are very difficult to find and have instant uh, recognition. And, and again, as I said, in most cases, very high value. But that's not the main determinant. But they need to be be hard to find. So number one on the on the baseball hall of fame, and I strongly encourage you to go and and uh, and visit. I've been several times. It's a, just a it's a and I've been down in the basement, you know, in the archives. I don't you can't always do that. But if you have a chance to do it and do the more detailed tour, I just strongly recommend you do that. I'm glad they're featuring cards more and and these. Ten cards—they're all worthy of being grails, but I have five that I, I put even uh, in the in the upper rank. And number one, start with the, the Hannes Wagner T206. I don't have that, and that wouldn't be—you um, know—I've told you I, I came up as an underbidder, and so I have my own chagrin for being the price guide guy and not seeing value that has increased steadily and mightily over these decades. Number two, I put the the 52 Tops Mantle. I actually do have that. I have a 52 Top set. Keep it at the bank. And that's a, a really cool card. My problem with the Grails, uh, they, when they get expensive like that, you, you don't want to keep them at home. So I don't know what some of uh, my other, uh, these other advanced collectors are doing, but uh, you've got to be careful when something has that much publicity and gets that. Uh, number three on the Hall of Fame list is the Babe Ruth uh, Sporting News. You know, it's kind of his mainstream rookie, I guess. Uh, he's on the Red Sox. I do actually have that also at the bank. 
uh, and that's clearly worthy of being a, a grail. It's it's not it's not rare in one sense if you find some of those cards, but the but the sets themselves are not are not easily found. They were found a lot more back in the seventies, which is I picked picked mine up in seventy five or seventy six. So didn't pay very much compared to what it's worth now. Number four, I would have the Napoleon Lajouet, the 33-34 Gaudi. My dad never had that. I never had it. Again, another situation where I think of detail where I was the underbidder, uh, and this was in the 70s. But so now I'm not going to tell you what I could have paid slightly more and owned one of those. But that's in the old days. The it was the I think the the Wagner and the Lajouet were the two really glamour cards back in the 70s. And number five, in deference to John Newman, I, I, I would agree. I think the, the, uh, the leaf Jackie Robinson rookie has historical, historical significance. It's not one of the short prints in the set, uh, whereas the satchel page uh, would be, which would be another potential grail card. But I have the, the, the Jackie Robinson in there just for the historical significance and, and the fact that it's a, it's, it's a beautiful card. And, uh, and I'm, I'm proud to have that one too. The other ones were Stengel, Matthewson, Williams, Plank, and the Peck and Snyder team card. And I, I don't regard those as, I just they're just not equal to the top five. Again, the Stengel super tough. The Matthewson is you know a different pose. The Williams was was probably uh, subject to a, a lawsuit or a threatened lawsuit. The Plank I've already mentioned that Plank was you know I had a friend that was fooled by a counterfeit. And the Peck and Snyder is a team card, so I, I wouldn't I would I would put that in in tenth place, but. Folks, it's good to have a grail, to have an aspiration. It's why these movies uh, in the popular culture were successful, because it's just a great story to go after something that's really hard to find, and to finally achieve it is, is, is terrific. So I'm glad I'm in a hobby where there are difficult things to go after and aspirations that, you know, if you get in at the right time, you may be able to... And, and like I get some of these things, I've, I've gotten cards at flea markets that were... You know, back again, it's 50 years ago, but you know, you can find valuable stuff occasionally. So thanks everybody. Be back again tomorrow with another episode and uh, enjoy your collecting and uh, pursuit of your holy grails.